hands together for the late morning program with your host, Nan Russ. Hey, Dina Bondu. I'm Russ. How's it going? It's going well. It's my pleasure to be here for the late morning program. I'm so excited to have you on the show. This is episode 24. This is with Dina Bundu Prabhu. Dina, as we know him, our good friend, interesting person. The topic of right now, Dina Bundu, is coronavirus. Oh, well. <laughs> the big know. scare. I don't have a lot of unique perspectives on that, but uh, yeah, people are afraid. <laughs> uh, people are definitely afraid. You were telling me earlier, um, you think that the media is blowing it out of proportion. I do think that, you know, as they just, just speaking are to the mic, to do, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. known to do that, you know, on various issues. But yeah, I do get the sense that you know it is a little bit overblown. It's a very intriguing uh, story. Sure. You know? The story of the year so far. But, I know, uh, right? No, I, I am I am concerned about it. I hope that... You know, in 2012, right. we thought the Aztec thing was going to happen. Yes, and we, <laughs> yes. The end times. 2013, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but then all kinds of things happen every year. Mm -hmm. Something happened, but um, I think... The stock I, I am, footage I'm of a people little buying bread and milk yeah, in the supermarket. I'm a little yeah. scared, to be honest. No, it is frightening. Because like some devotees in England got it. I shouldn't I be laughing. It's just I'm laughing because it's like... It's, it's scary because it's because it's it's come so close to home now, mm -hmm. and then someone in Bergen County got it. I I grew yeah. up in Bergen County. Yeah, it's it's very real. It's it's very it's, real. it's real. Anyways, um, not many people in America have died from it, right? I think. Mm -hmm. I, I think actually none at this stage. None have died. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's 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 very good. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell you know a lot of people don't know Dina Bundu inner life. Or, or or historically, sure. T tell us about how you got started in you know spiritual life. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, spiritual life, you know, in some way or another, has always been there. Um, I my personal spiritual roots. I grew up in a Jewish household, um, not particularly Tulsi Jewish observant. Too. Yeah, Tulsi's Jewish too. <laughs> yeah. Gorachandra's Jewish also. By extension, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, Gorachandra. So, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we grew up in Jewish household, not particularly observant, but we would go to the synagogue from time to time. Yeah. Um, definitely something that my parents wanted me to have in terms of, you know, sense of heritage. The area where I grew up, very, very few Jewish people, so that was kind of interesting, too. Like, Oh, really? You know, yeah, just always, um, you know, wanting to have that connection with the tradition, but not really knowing where to find it. Right. Um, but I did, yeah, I grew up with some spiritual roots in that way. And my, my parents always taught me to pray, mm. you know, in, in this very simple way, but just, you know, talk, talk to God. And that always made sense to me. I think, in, you know, as a kid, I would pray for all kinds of, you know, different possessions, you know, kind of this <laughs> and this. I, I still do know. that. Yeah. But, you know, it just... Oh, I gotta, I gotta oh you don't hear it. Oh, oh, no, no, no. It's okay. It, it's okay. It was just the trombone. It went like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Good. saying that I still pray for mm -hmm. possession. And yeah, stuff. And anyway, I started to cut you off. No, it's okay. And then, so I, I always did pray, actually, in some way or another. Yeah. And it felt natural for me. And, you know, regardless of what I was praying for, 
got the feeling that there's this relationship, you know, and that was something that sunk in fairly early on. Really? Mm. Wow. And then, um, but I never really liked, um, how would you call it, you know, just like a formalized religious experience, you know, being there in a service, something like that. And it never felt so natural for me until I was a teenager. And at some point, I suddenly got excited to go to the synagogue to hear more about God, to hear more about spiritual topics. And that kind of spurred on this whole spiritual search. And, you know, it happens with many people, you know, reading mm. different books, exploring right. different spiritual traditions. Right. And for myself, it started with, yeah, reading books about uh, Christianity, Buddhism, exploring these different, you know, I read the Quran as well. What age was that? Mm, this is probably 14. Oh, wow. But actually, in terms of the journey with Krishna consciousness, there's actually kind of like a preface there. We go back in time before I was kind of interested in all of these spiritual traditions. I was very interested in music, as I still am. Right. But my friends and I really loved older music. Mm. You know, classic rock. And oh, I love classic like that. rock. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was into. 104.3. 104.3. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're still the foremost source. For foremost, the source, yes. Maria yeah. Melito yeah. uh, in uh, the daytime. Dashau, yeah. Right, right. So, so we would go to garage sales, right? And we would collect uh, records, you know, LPs. Yeah. And it was always like, you know, 50 cents for one and then it or you can give us two dollars and take the whole box you know like <laughs> stuff like that people are desperate to get rid of you know yeah yeah so in one of those instances my friend and i his name is Corey, my best friend growing up we played in bands together and everything uh -huh. and at this point we're probably 12 years old 13 earlier you know yeah and we got one of these boxes of records and Ever so, you know, serendipitously within this box of records was the Radha Krishna Temple album. All right. Yeah, which, you know, produced by George Harrison. It's where our Govindam prayers are from that particular collection. Right. And uh, Yamuna Devi, all of these wonderful devotees, early devotees are yeah, you know, yeah. singing there. So anyway, we were like, what in the world is this? You know, it's just something really very... When you very listen different. to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we listen to it and even the cover cover is you know shishi rada londonishvara oh right uh, and it was gorgeous to us very unfamiliar but very gorgeous and on some level you know deep down must have been some familiarity there mm. so i have this unique uh memory of us standing in his bedroom listening to the Hare krishna mantra um you know a classic tune yeah and dancing dancing and chanting we had no idea what we were doing and um but just thinking that it was really joyful and beautiful and unusual and special and so that was a huge you know samskar huge impression and i later obtained that record from him it was his yeah and so we traded whatever it was i was just really fascinated and so when the whole spiritual search came around later of kind of reading different books and everything, it occurred to me, oh yeah, and don't I have that record of this chanting, this, you know, Hare Krishna thing? Wow. And yeah, and then I kind of revisited that. And if you see like the, the album, the way that the sleeve is and everything, it's all there. 
You open it up and there's translations of every song. There's a photo of Srila Prabhupada. You know, there's even like portion from his, uh, you know, this Markine Bhagavat Dharma. Yeah, right. It's there you know, oh. on the record. Everything's there. You wow. Know? In a certain way, it's a really wonderful introduction sure. to Krishna consciousness. So I started reading that, just that album cover. It's kind of like my first book, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then from, from there on out, I kind of... Uh, felt okay you know this is such beautiful music i could feel like that joyful you know very sincere mood and i felt like what did they believe you know what what do these people believe right so i started from there um kind of doing some research you know internet of course actually played a really big role internet did yeah in, wow. in my spiritual journey um because yeah i searched somehow like just krishna.com Krishna.com. I went to Krishna.com. I was reading things on Krishna.com. And I started logging on there, reading different things. And then eventually I kind of ordered books. It was so strange. I had this kind of early experience with Krishna consciousness where I had never met any devotees. I'd never gone to a temple. Um, I ordered Japa beads on the internet. What? I ordered, uh, you know, some of Prabhupada's small books on the internet. Wow. Stuff like that. And just kind of gradually started exploring it. And after some time of, you know, reading, especially Sriya Shopanishad, oh, that was like really major for me. I was just very astounded by how beautiful it was. That's and, actually not a, um, it's not an easy book to understand. Something about it. I don't, yeah. I mean, I think the way it kind of guides you from an impersonal conception toward a personal conception. Right. Just in the course of, you know, the sm- fairly small text. Yes, yes. That was really uh, influential for me. I just felt like it's describing so eloquently and beautifully right. the nature of the divine. Right, right. And um, yeah, and at, and at that point, I, I just felt like you know, Srila Prabhupada's purports, it was all so mystical to me. So even if I didn't understand it, mm. you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not so easy to just say, okay, yeah, I get it, you know. But it was something that was very mystical, intriguing. Uh, I felt like it was something very, very elevated. And that combined with like the early experiences of doing some japa, and you and you had just uh, understood how to do japa through the internet. The internet. There's like you this didn't... diagram. You guys have probably seen it. Like, <laughs> it's like there's like some diagram. It's like the outline of a hand, and it's showing the beads, and it has like one, two, three. Everything. Yes, I have seen yeah. that. Yeah, Start from that, and it's and... like you know, it, this particular one did suggest that you chant the Panchatattva mantra before each round. Everything yeah, yeah. Like that. And I was just doing that. That's so cool. And so I would chant just kind of whenever I felt like it, you know, around here, around there. I don't think at that time I chanted, you know, long periods of time, but I would just chant here and there. And that experience, I really felt something. Um, And I remember just kind of, okay, well, you know, this is something that I should investigate more seriously, at least. You know, I felt that, that, you know, I should really look into this and see what's what. Um, So, yeah, and I had, you know... The spiritual search, I think, for me also was just compounded by, you know, a desire to find some deep meaning in the world, as, you know, all of us, for all of us. Right. Um, You know, there were circumstances at that time. Actually, like, looking back on it, the more and more I look back on it, I think actually that September 11th may have played, like, a big role for me. Really? Yeah. Like, you know, not in some extremely heavy way, but just that kind of 
shook me up in a certain way that I, yeah, I shook I, everybody I, up, shook man. Everybody that was, up. that was, uh, that was a hard time. That changed the world. It completely changed, the, changed world. the world for everyone. After that, you know, yeah, all this whole new score of possibilities had opened up that were not good possibilities, you know, right. just like a certain fear and a certain kind of like nothing's certain in this world. And of course, you know, we know in truth, that's always the case. Yeah. But I think at a younger age and in such a visceral, illustrative way, we saw that nothing's certain in this world. So for me, I don't know how old you were at that time. I was... I, uh, I was I'm not good at math, I but I 12. think I was 21. You were 21. No, no, I was 16. 16. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah, I, I was like 12, 13 years old at that time. And I think that did play a role because here we go, only a few years later, I kind of like looking for answers and everything like that. Yeah. So in retrospect, I, I feel like that played a significant role. I remember role. exactly where I was. Do you? Not to change the subject no, so much, right. but uh, I was in social studies class and my friend Brian Gross, mm. whose name I still remember. <laughs> After yeah, this course. many years, yeah. he was with me, and we were in the classroom, and people were t- talking about him, and some kids were like in the hallway screaming because mm-hmm. their parents were working in the World Trade Center. Yeah, totally. Yeah, with us too. That was so traumatic, and I and 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 people were like, "Oh, a plane hit the World Trade Center," and I just thought, you know, one of those small planes, mm-hmm. one passenger, yeah, propellers. Yeah, yeah, and it hit the. That's it, you know. But then when I went, they they let us out of school. We went home. And uh, we saw it on TV. Mm-hmm. Again that it was and like, again and again. Oh, my again. God. Over and over yeah. again. Yeah, which Won't I get think, that out of my head. Yeah, that really formed also a deep impression, I think, for all of us at that time. Yeah. Seeing that again and again. So so then you so then fr- from that it, it you said it it kind of um, spurred you more into spiritual life? I think it did. I think I didn't identify that at the time. Right. But just in looking back on things, I feel it may have you know, must have played some kind of a role in looking for answers, trying to understand the world on a deeper level because there are certain things that we just can't make sense of, you know, externally. And so what wound up happening was that, yeah, my town, Middletown, which is where I grew up, Middletown, New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey Dom. Dom. Hashtag New Jersey Dom. Yes, of course. I mean, New Jersey, you know... I really feel very attached to New Jersey. I think I'm going Listen, to be Listen, Dina we can go on about this forever yeah. because it's the ever-increasing sweetness of a topic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we but we want, to, we want to spare the, uh, the <laughs> listeners who may not me, be able cool to get Me, Kulapradeep, you, Brahma Mohorta, we, we're all from New Jersey, it's Tom. It's just... Yeah, the Dom Vasis. We can always relish, you know? But yeah. let's, let's yeah. put that on the side. Yeah. You were talking about Middletown. Contain, ta- my contain ecstasy, yes. Yeah. We, we can't let it out so, because... People might criticize and, you know. Yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, Middletown actually was the town most affected by September 11th outside of New York. So really? So, in other words, in terms of the number of residents in the particular town who passed away on September 11th was actually Middletown. No there's way. Some figure. I mean, I don't want to quote it 100%. Really? At that time, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and there's even a book that was written called Middletown America, and it's about the town where I grew up and the way it was affected. So all of these things did play a role. And so after some time of chanting Japa and reading Prabhupada's books, just kind of in a vacuum, you know what I mean, at home. Yeah. And, you know, logging on to Krishna.com and kind of gleaning what I could. I actually started having some recurring dreams also. I started having dreams about going to a Hare Krishna temple 
and it was really inaccurate. You know what I mean? In terms of like what was And you now, hadn't gone to a temple yet. I had not gone to a temple. Wow. So in terms of what we now know a temple to look like, you yeah. know, it was not really accurate. It was yeah. like this. I don't remember. I think there were like lots of cushions all over the floor, which is kind of true. <laughs> but this is like the entire floor was a, like a cushion, you know? Oh, okay. Um, and like very dimly lit, you know? Okay. So anyway, but I had all these dreams and it seemed like after a while, no matter where I would be going or whatever I was doing in the dream, it would always kind of like steer to the going to a temple. Yeah. So that also helped me to kind of like take it seriously and say, you know, there's something to this and I really ought to check it out. Right. So I ended up going to um, a home program was the first thing I ever went to in central New Jersey. I just looked up, you know, like Hare Krishna. I may have found Tawako, but I was like a relatively new driver at that time. Yeah, that's like, far. It was far for me. It was Way like another far. world, you know. Yeah. And so... Where the hell is Tawako? Yeah, anyway? Where the hell is Tawako? I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this in my life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, of course, I did later on go to Tawako, not that long after. But the first thing was a home program in Old Bridge, New Jersey. Old Bridge, right. And it was posted on the internet, very like early internet presence of uh, the central New Jersey community. They okay. were kind of just getting going. Yeah. And I went to this home program and just showed up. Didn't know who anybody was. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah. And um, they were very, very kind, welcoming, mm. warm, you know, as they still are, you know. Yes, of course. And it's a lot of the same uh, people, you know, who are now in the community, you know, that I'm actively involved with. Yeah. But I just showed up and, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. So that was the first time with Kirtan, associating with devotees, um, Prasadam. Yeah. First Prasadam experience also. How was that? Oh, monumental. It was great. You know, like, <laughs> I think actually growing up, I didn't really enjoy eating. I, like, wasn't someone who, like, was really enthusiastic about, like, food and eating. Um, somehow this experience, yeah, was very different. I mean. Wow. We had had Indian food before, you mm -hmm. know, but this is Prasadam, you know. Did you go with someone or on your own? Completely, yeah, just by myself. What did your parents think? Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> So after that, I just wanted to mention, like, so after that experience, yeah, yeah, it's the mysterious, what do my parents think? Yeah. So after that, I didn't go back for like another three months, actually. I had a great experience. Oh, you didn't go back? Somehow, okay. I just felt like I had to digest it. I had to, maybe it was like just such a big thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? On a spiritual level that I just, I took a little distance and I was just kind of like taking it all in and like feeling what it meant to me. Um, but I do remember like coming home at the end of the night and feeling like okay, like this was this was something major. I don't really know how yet. Wow, this was something really significant from the first program. From the first program, yeah. Wow. And uh, so my parents, yeah. So <laughs> they, my parents have always. I've been very fortunate. My parents have always been very trusting, very open. Yeah. Um, so they, for the most part, even from the get-go, kind of trusted me. I think they thought it might be kind of like a phase, you know. Of course, yeah. Uh, but they were always, you know, my mom. She was more inquisitive about it, asking a lot of questions, kind of like, okay, like, what is this about? Yeah. Um, and I think as a result of that, she learned more about, about everything in the beginning. Because mm -hmm. she did have a slightly more, not in a negative way, but a slightly more challenging mood. Like, like why do you, what do you, what, what's the connection here? You know, like, what do you feel? And my dad has always just been very trusting, kind of like, well, if it makes you happy, <laughs> if it's something you like... 
then you know we support you i'd love to meet your parents they seem they would love to cause, meet you because because yeah. because you you know when you meet someone's like child or someone's son mm-hmm. they, you kind of get an idea what the parents must be like it but they're more magnified than the person you're meeting you know the you can see the qualities of the of the child with the parents you know yeah, now that us. i'm a father yeah. and i understand like i see certain things in my son mm-hmm. that y- your parents will be so super nice people because you're such a people they're sweet they're you're just... such a nice person so i i oh. thought your parents are must be amazing they're people i love to meet them they're very good they're very good they I should have them on the show <laughs> they're what they live in georgia now oh, really they, yeah. don't, they don't live it they left the 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 dom they left the dom <laughs> <laughs> Their their spiritual bank account, like you know, <laughs> it was spent and yeah, no, but it's good. They're they, not as stressed out anymore. They're, better weather, for sure. Better weather. Are they are they very life. old or? No, no, they're uh, no. My dad is uh, sixty nine years old. My okay. mom, yeah, slightly younger than that. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So they're living in Georgia now. Living in Georgia, but yeah, they were always cool. They made it, you know, in that sense. You know, a lot of people who get involved with a particular spiritual path. You know, that is not the one that they were born into. They face a lot of challenges in terms of of, disapproval or people, you know, challenging it. And I was very fortunate that I didn't, I didn't really experience that from my family. No. Do you have any siblings? I have one younger sister. Oh, okay. What does she think? She, so she just always knew it. I mean, so I was, I guess I was like 16 at that time. Yeah. And so she's five years younger than me. So she would have been 11. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, my brother and, like, his stuff that he does. (laughs) (laughs) What about now? He's ringing bells. He's like, what is he, you know, what is he doing? Oh, my God. So, but, yeah, now, so anyway, it's interesting. The times have kind of caught up in a certain way because my sister is vegan and she's a yoga instructor. No way. Mm -hmm. How cool. Somehow it just happened like that. She just felt that that kind of life was so much more positive for her. Yeah. So as far as the actual... The spiritual substance of it, I mean, it's something that she's open to, but I think it's still there's that sibling thing where, like, it's it's my thing. It's your, it's yeah, it's my thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, she was always very supportive too. And she's been, my, my whole family's been to the temples and everything like that. Super cool. Times, you know. Super cool. And then, so as you got older, um, when did you kind of really. When, when was that turning point when you, like, were like, okay, I'm going to commit now? Mm. Yeah. So what that was for me, actually. So when I first connected, I was in high school. Um, and I was probably, I guess I would have been a junior in high school when I first started going to the temple. Yeah. And I was going regularly by the end of high school. But then there's this whole, you know, I went away for college. Right. I went to Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it was a distance away from home, away from the community. But I did feel this desire to kind of connect with the spiritual community and, right. you know, find the devotees, you know, basically. So the closest community was in Cleveland and it was a home program, but it was like a steady home, pro- home program uh, every Wednesday, <clears throat> every Wednesday evening. So that was really nice, too, because I went to this very small college and it was like a real bubble of a college town. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to, like, you know, leave every Wednesday and spend time with a community in a different place, and it, it kind of expanded my world. So it was very much welcome mm. in that way. Um, but during that time, there was one devotee who, well, I, I made some good friends. My friend Srimala Prabhu, 
he lives in Cleveland, wonderful, and his wife, Kunjari, they're very sweet devotees, and mm-hmm. they would pick me up from college, I didn't have a car, and they would drive me, and he would go out of his way to bring me to the temple and everything wow. like that. It was, it was amazing. Um, and at some point, there's this devotee named Jatayu Prabhu, senior devotee, and he started driving me home at some point. He took up that, you know, very, very kind, you know, offer to drive me home. And he's a very quiet person. So we would just drive and then like all of a sudden he would just like share like these like gems. You know, like he kind of <laughs> lean over in the trunk, in the truck and yeah. say, you know, you know, Krishna consciousness is very, very important that you, you know, you form relationships with devotees, you know, things like that. Oh like yeah. Nice I love those little, kind of devotees. I love it. They share, they share things with you. Just like these Like randomly. Things. Randomly. I love that. I didn't have to look for it. That's like, that's real mercy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not something that I had to really seek for. It was just like uh, freely flowing. Wow. And he, um, so yeah, and you know, but gradually he was quiet in the beginning and then we started to develop this very wonderful friendship. And he has an interesting story if I can tell. Sure, please. Um, So he. Is he still around? He's not. He's not. Oh, he's not. Yeah, he actually left his body. He passed away in 2015. Oh, Okay which is also significant. Oh, um, okay. But he he joined very, very early on, got involved in like 1969. Oh, wow. In Cleveland, Radha Murlidhar. Oh, really? You know? Radha were in Cleveland first. The DDs that are now at the Bhakti at Center. The Bhakti Center, yep. Because they were in Cleveland before. They were in Cleveland before. So he, yeah, he got involved in the late 60s. He traveled to India with Srila Prabhupada and with the devotees at that time. 75, 76, you know, you know, like that period of time. Right. So he was there, um, but he, he never ended up being initiated by Srila Prabhupada. Um, oh, okay. So anyway, he, um, so he was, he was later, he was later initiated. Um, and he, but he, he always had this very strong, you know, connection with Prabhupada because that's how it all started for him. And that's, you know, who he saw always as, you know, his, his spiritual master. Right. So he also really helped me to feel that connection as well, like to kind of really flesh out like the full personhood of Srila Prabhupada. Mm. Really, yeah, give me glimpses into his personality, mm-hmm. everything like that. Wow. So, um, but he, yeah, the friendship that we formed was tremendously influential because he was such an elevated person spiritually, but right. he approached me in the mood of a friend, mm-hmm. um, which I guess was just what I really needed at that time. Right. Um, I didn't have any kind of like reverential attitude, I think, at that time. It was more just kind of like, okay, you know, I'm here in this community. And so he um, would would always come and spend time with me at the... At, in college, like we would walk around, we would go Japa walks, everything like that, and we ended up starting a program together. Um, once a week, it was like a kirtan program that we would do in this big chapel. It was like this big stone chapel, very beautiful, an incredible echo. Oh, okay. And uh, so we would do kirtans there for the students and everything like that. And there's a rathiatra. Uh, on the college campus that still happens, actually. What's the college again? Uh, Oberlin College. Oh, Oberlin, like a okay. small art I've school. I've heard of it. Yeah. It's um, 
it's well it's funny like these days it's considered to be like an intensely uh kind of like liberal place so it comes oh. up in the news sometimes you know, oh those. really mm-hmm. oh, okay so but yeah we started this rathiatra there and you was, guys started it well he, he started it you know but he allowed me to you know cool. help out and you know so the first time it happened it's part of this big community parade mm-hmm. and then we started coming doing oh it's a part of a parade part okay. of the parade nice nice yeah. and it still goes on but anyway, to share just about him, I feel he really helped me to, you know, to answer your question of what made me kind of feel like, okay, I'm going to commit to this now. Yeah. Because he gave me such a wonderful vision of what it really means to live the philosophy, to live the teachings. Yeah. In a very, very human, um, very honest, but very, very profound way. Mm. You know, he would just he lived his life, you know, he... he he was just always, you know, chanting, always absorbed in the teachings, but in a way that like felt so natural and felt so real. You know, I could mm. feel how much he was deriving from it, how much it fueled him in his life. So for me, it was like just maybe the first really potent illustration of like what it means to live a spiritual life beyond kind of like considerations of, you know, I go to the temple, you know, X number of times, or I do these practices, like really just that he was living and breathing it all the time. So in a very inspiring way, you know, that made a big impression on me. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, so then he, you, you developed this friendship with him and then, then did you you eventually move back to New Jersey? Yeah, I moved back to New Jersey, and we stayed in touch. We would always keep in touch. He visited a number of times. He would come always for like New York Rathiatra. Oh, he would really? Come and stay with me. Wonderful. And um, it was it was just great. Um, so what I can tell just about he left his body kind of very suddenly. Um, okay. Un- unfortunately, yeah, he had he had a, a cancerous tumor. Okay. That he didn't know about. You know, oh. that, that nobody knew about. And it happened very quickly. Um, and I, at that time, I was, I was touring around the country. I was touring as a musician. And I was in California when I heard that, you know, things were, um, you know, in a bad place with him, his health. Yeah. And so um, I, I ended up being able to go there uh, to Ohio um, and I was kind of with him for the last 10 days of his life. And that was just an extremely profound experience. You know, like the idea that when there are people who come into our lives who are always teaching us, mm-hmm. they're also teaching us, you know, at their time of leaving. Of course. Yeah. And yeah, wow. I really, really felt that. And I felt so fortunate to be able to be there, um, and that that ended up just making a huge impression also um that also led me you know led me toward the kind of work that i'm doing these days also was influenced by that right yeah i'd love um, to get into that as well because you know just just a lot with you know i always had this um kind of i always had a feeling that it would be extremely meaningful to be with people you know, at times of, you know, dying and death. Right. You're a chaplain. Yes. What's, uh, what kind of chaplain is that, is that called exactly? So there are different types, but this would just be like a hospital, hospital chaplain. Right. Um, particularly, you know, with, with people who are leaving. 
And that would be hospice chaplains. Hospice, right. You've but, done that before, mm-hmm. uh, but now you're working on something something else, right? Yes, yes. Um, so, but yeah, just to say that, yeah, so with, with Jataya Prabhu, that, right, right. that experience was, was huge for me in terms of, um, that was something that I always had in the back of my mind as something that might be a meaningful thing to, to do. Um, but being there with him as my friend, as my Shiksha Guru, and feeling like, okay, it's possible. This is something that's possible. Because we worry that, you know, maybe we wouldn't be able to even handle something like that. Yeah. You know? So um, I feel like that was another kind of gift, gift that I uh, was able to receive from him. Wow. That, that lesson. Um, but yeah, these days, yeah, these days I'm, I'm doing this chaplaincy work. I'm currently, my main involvement is at a psychiatric hospital right here in New Jersey. And that is, uh, it's, it's intense, but gosh, it must be intense. I mean, I mean, you know, our, our other friend that's doing that, Mm -hmm. uh, he told, he, he's just training and he told me, um, he just came from there. He had me help me. I called him over to help me with something. He said, I was with somebody and half an hour later they died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God, isn't that intense? Like, like you, you should, you should bring a shalagram with you or something because if they're near, it says if you die within the, some radius of a shalagram, Sheila, you go to Vaikunta mm. or something. Wow. I mean, I was thinking of those practical things, but I was just thinking also like mentally, like, God, it must be so like I don't know, it just weighs on someone heavily. Like what what's your experience like knowing okay, this person's going could die in, in the next 5 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that you were thinking of their spiritual welfare like that that you know, you do what well, you uh, can to yeah. yeah, you try and to that, do what you is, can. You know, that is what we what we do. I mean, even if it's in some silent way, you know, right, praying right. within the heart and trying to really, you know, pray that that person has, you know, auspicious uh, passage you know right so um sorry your question it, it, my question was uh how do you deal with that uh that kind of that doesn't it weigh down on someone who uh, you know you're seeing that so much death you're seeing yeah. so much of death yeah it's and suffering yeah, in, see, lo- in the psychiatric in hospital, the psychiatric like hospital, there's pe- not as much dying, but it, it does happen, you know, right, from time to time. But yeah, yeah, the suffering is. Um, How do you deal with that? I mean, I would, I, I, you know, my son's crying uh, a little bit, and I get all like, "Oh, is he okay? Like, what's happening? Like, mm-hmm. I don't like to see suffering and stuff." Yeah. But you see it on a daily basis. It is, yeah, it, it is hard. I mean, there's no way around it. It, it is hard. It is intense. Um, but you know, yeah, I think in a certain way, well, with de- okay, so with death, we come to realize that this is just—I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true. Cliches are cliches because they're true. <laughs> but <laughs> like, but but death is a part of life. Yeah. Right. So, and you see so many unique, you know, different experiences in terms of, you know, it's true. What you know, what's there in the Bhagavad Gita about you know the state of being, you know, one is in. They attain that, you know, you even see that in, in the moment because, you know, you see people who are very, very much at ease uh, at the time of leaving. Oh, you see that? Oh, sure. Yeah, you do see it. You see that people are at peace. They feel that they have um, their things in order. 
they're they grateful. Lived, they live. They live their life to their fullest. Mm -hmm. They could say they're grateful. They're accepting. Mm. Um, wow. And and a, a, a death like that is not so traumatic to witness, mm -hmm. um, because you you feel like okay, you know, this person is in. They're they're in a good place with it. Yeah. Um, and then you see things that are really on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know. That's, I don't want to be, you know, too, too heavy, but I mean, but people who they're not accepting it, they're denying it, they're afraid of it. Um, Up till the end. Oh, yeah. Really? Sure. Sure. Amazing. I mean, of course, you hope and pray. And also, as, as chaplains, we also want to do whatever we possibly can to help someone in a situation like that and hopefully... Yeah help to ease things. But if someone is truly in that place, sometimes it can be very hard. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, so the way that, the way that I handle it though, is um, you see the soul within each person. You try to the best of your ability to, mm. to see the soul within each person. You know that there's a plan for them, that there's a particular path for them and that this is part of their journey. And it's a privilege to be be there with them at that time in right. that moment mm. and um to also have you know have a prayerful heart for that person in wow. in that moment um and it does sober us up in so many ways just on a personal level seeing these things you know because it's very very interesting how at least in america or in, in many i think many many uh, countries i think in the west largely you know um death is hidden yeah. It's, it's hidden away. Um, oh, yeah. In hospitals. And also, like in my day-to-day -day work, I can say that um, people who have severe, severe mental illness are often hidden away. So mm -hmm. there are these whole worlds that are kind of, it's part of life. It's, it's something that's really, really out there, but it's very strategically kind of cloistered. So these are, um, yeah, these are wondrous experiences um, to kind of, to witness all of this. And like the people who I work with every day, a lot of the people, uh, in the psychiatric hospital, they're just such brilliant, amazing, unique, incredible people. I mean, just, and also often very, very spiritual. You know, really? Like, yeah, sure. That's shocking. People who, well, if you think about it, a, a lot of the, a lot of the people, um, have had experiences in which they felt that their entire way of seeing the world got turned upside down. You know, their whole perception of things, the way they understand the world, the way they understand themselves mm. has been, um, shifted. Right. Um, and for some people that can be a very traumatic experience for some people that's, um, in the immediate sense, what, what places them in the situation of having to be in the hospital. But then there's so much you can unpack from that. You know, you may talk to them and they'll tell you about things that they've been through and they'll say like, well, that's when everything changed for me. Mm. You know, it's like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? And often they'll just come out with incredibly deep, profound spiritual things, you know, about just how they understood, you know, they were living their life in a particular way and all of a sudden they understood it in, in a whole new way mm. and they can never see the world in the same way after that, you know, so it's kind of, um, Usually within that is a very deep truth, whether it's about suffering or whether it's about, um, you know, the brilliance that they see in other people, 
right. and how they appreciate that so much. Anyway, there's just you know you know we're, you're dealing a lot with um, shifts in perspective. Yeah, and that's an amazing thing to you know hear about and to talk about with people. Did you see the Joker? I actually did not. You I, didn't. I did not. Should I? You should. <laughs> I recently saw it uh, on the airplane back from Chicago. I was with Brahma Mohanta. Mm-hmm. And we were doing a puja in Chicago, and we came back, and I, and and I saw it, and I was, I was blown away. Honestly, it was mm-hmm. a, it has a lot to do with mental health, mm-hmm. the the whole movie, mm-hmm. and it just shows like the, the the downward spiral of someone who just, who didn't treat it properly and stuff, and he just turns into this, murderer or you know whatever, but. uh it was just really well done, mm. and uh, there were times where it was like very kind of ghastly scenes and things. But the way it was, it expressed kind of like that mental health thing was mm-hmm. really interesting, mm. very interesting. And as someone of you know yourself who's working with people uh, in 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 that you know department, I think I think you should see it. I think yeah. it's it was it was very good. But um, so so. Let's step back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So then, after you left Ohio and you came back to New Jersey, then wh- you said you traveled the yeah, America. Yeah. Tell um, us about that. Sure. So you as know, a musician, yeah, there were some interesting times after. Uh, I know, after and also college. you worked. Uh, you worked with some famous people at uh, fashion, fashion something. Company. Tell. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't funny know chapters. You know. Yeah. Tell us about that. So when I first came back from uh, college. I didn't know. I had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, you know, I was a student of religion and creative writing, so it's not like <laughs> <laughs> it's not the big career areas. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's sad. I heard it this time. Yeah, history. Mm-hmm. I, do, I have a history degree. History degree. Yeah, you're doing all right. I'm doing okay. You, it, you know, you I didn't it. use it, but uh, mm-hmm. I, it's cool to tell people. So I came back, and I'm like, you know, I got a degree in religion and creative writing. So then first job i had uh well okay so the first thing right after college was i went in the ashram at uh at the bhakti center right that's when you and i i think first met that's right oh yeah okay and i was living in the ashram i, I think at the yeah, time i think we might have like just like passed each other where like you were toward your end end of your time there and i was like starting okay and um yeah um dear friend uh hari prasad prabhu he really kind of made that arrangement for me i always oh, wanted to experience uh, ashram life and have that kind of training Hari Prasad, man and i gotta have him on the show too he's that interesting would be, he's that would a, be great. i should both of you together that would be fun oh hey that'd i mean i fun. would just want to stay out of the way though because <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of good good stuff to say yeah and um so i spent a short period of time and it was just for myself i always kind of felt like i it was more natural for me to go into family life and I kind of knew that at that time too. So this is just something I really wanted to have that training. I wanted to have that experience. Sure. And so then after that, um, yeah, after that, I was actually driving a taxi. Really? Mm-hmm. Like Jainanda Prabhu style. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he did. He, <laughs> he, was he, he did drive a taxi. Yeah. And so I was driving a taxi and just kind of like talking to people. That actually ended up being a thing, you know, that worked in the direction of the chaplaincy work, actually. Oh, okay. Because, you know, having these talks with people, it's like, you know, this anonymous thing, you know, they don't know if they're ever going to see you again. People, sometimes they just, like, really pour their heart out. So that was fascinating. Where where did you that drive a taxi? It was in New taxi? Jersey, in my hometown. Okay. In Middletown, but... Okay. 
you know, in and around that area. Yeah. And uh, the occasional, you know, trip someone wants you to drive to, you know, Long Island or Connecticut or something like kind of long, a little yeah. further. Yeah. yeah. And then you get to really have these talks. So that was an interesting chapter. I actually really liked that. Um, if oh. it were a financially feasible, you know, yeah. thing, it can be hard, you know, yeah, yeah. to make a living from that. But I actually really did enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, so the traveling was, oh, the, so the, then after that was the, uh, the fashion thing. So I wound up somehow working for this uh, clothing company uh, called Rag and Bone. It's like a very uh, kind of fancy uh, fashion company in New York. I was just, I was really in need of work at that time. Um, I was working at this record store that I, that was like my first job. Mm-hmm. My first job was at the record store when I was in high school. And they've always been very, very kind. Like I stayed friends with all the people there. And like, okay. whenever I'm like, you know, needing some, you know, work, work or, you know, it's yeah. kind of like an in-between stage. They've always like, let me come back and work oh, there. Oh, that's nice. So what wound up happening is uh, one friend there, he knew this guy who was like a fashion photographer. Yeah. And he said he kind of needs someone to assist him. Like, you know, in, in New York, they have fashion week. Fashion week, yeah. Yeah. So he needed someone to assist him for fashion week. So I started taking photos and I was helping him out with the, you know, the photography and everything. Uh, and that ended up leading to a job, completely unrelated job, but for this fashion <laughs> company. <laughs> I formed like nice uh, connection with you know the, the people there, yeah. and I was not uh, shy about telling them that I could really you know use some work at that time. And um, I ended up going into product development for this company. Wow! Yeah, mostly with like zippers. They call it in, this, in the fashion. This is not interesting, so I'm not going to dwell on it for too long. But in the fashion industry, it's called trim. So you have like the fabric. Yeah. And you have like all the buttons and snaps and zippers, all of like the little components of the garment. Yeah. I like your shirt, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uniqlo? Um, no, I, I, got, it, I Uniqlo. got it in a thrift store, actually. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Something Bay. Bay. I think I was from Chicks. Nice. Penny or Very nice. Something. But anyway, uh, so. Yeah, so I. I you're I, talking about trim. I was in charge of the trims. So the zippers. That's what you were in charge of? Yeah. So. It's amazing. It was interesting. They sent me to the garment district at first, so like this old school kind of cutting room where people are cutting the fabrics and everything. But then I wound up, yeah, moving into like the main facility there, and I was working with the fashion designers. So they had these ideas of like, oh, well, we need a red button for this shirt. You know, they're developing the <laughs> <laughs> developing the products. That's so awesome. And so yeah, it, it, I, I worked for that company for a while, and. Uh, it was good because I had like a student loan debt and everything, you know, that can oh, be yeah. very heavy. Uh, so that was something I wanted to work very hard. Uh, so I worked for that company for a while. And then after that, um, my real heart's, uh, you know, passion at that time was uh, songwriting, songwriting and uh, touring. So I would do little tours, you know, where you just, you book from, you know, one city to another. It's usually a fairly small, you know, engagement. But you arrange it so that each night you have a different performance. And that's something that that I was able to do for a while, um, kind of as like the main involvement. Uh, and Just I, you by yourself? So it would be with different friends who also um, have their own kind of solo performance. And we would team up. And, you know, so it would be like we would not play together, but we would play one after the other. Oh, cool. And that was like, 
the event, you know, for each night. And then there's always some local band or local performer who joins also. And, and what type of music? Gets more people to come. Um, kind of like folk, folk music. You oh, know? cool. Yeah, so kind of like, you know, guitar and You did like singing. a bit of everything, Dina. Mm, somehow I like I just try to do different different things and that's something that still is, you know, significant to me, the creative side of things. You know, sure. I think it's very much intertwined with bhakti because mm, art is a very natural extension of bhakti because when you when you want to do something um when you want to do something as nicely as possible, yeah. that comes from devotion, that comes from love. Yeah. And when you do something as nicely as possible, you try uh, to do it in your own way as nicely as possible, whatever that is, whether it's cooking or whether it's writing or singing or anything like that, you know, that becomes art. So it's like when you try to do something as nicely as possible out of love, well put. it becomes art. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, art is irremovable from yeah. spiritual life, you know. Amazing. So, yeah. So, and, and then... Uh, then after that, after the... So now we've come full circle. So then after that, I um, I went to Ohio. So I was touring. I was touring in California. And then that's when I found out that Jatayu Prabhu was leaving his body. Right. And I went back to uh, Ohio to be with him at that time. Yeah. And then, and then you came back to New Jersey. I landed back in New Jersey and... Um, yeah, I didn't have a job because, you know, I, I had been doing all the touring and everything. And that also was like a pretty natural end point for that. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And then you, did you go into the chaplaincy thing? Then? Mm -hmm. And then I basically went into the chaplaincy thing. Wonderful. That. Wow. Yeah. So, so, um, I wanted to ask you, so you, you know, a lot of people nowadays say that, you know, Western devotees are not joining mm. because, because the kind of the paradigm of ISKCON North America is very much Indian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know someone like you, Western person. Yeah. What was your experience like joining a temple and, and that first home program you went to mm -hmm. in Old Bridge? Yes. It must have all, it must have been a lot of Indian devotees. Yeah. I would say 90, 95%. Okay. I was not the only uh, Western person there. Sure. But yeah, very, very, very few. Did that, because, because I also noticed that people who might join in that sort of way, after a while, they might uh, fall away mm -hmm. because they don't mm -hmm. feel like a relation. They don't feel like they can relate because a different culture, different race, different something. So mm -hmm. tell us your experience about uh, how you kind of navigated that or did you even have to? Sure. Um, so it was interesting because, in a way, I had very, very little frame of reference for what it was supposed to be like okay. to go to a temple. Okay. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, you know, New, New Jersey being a place that has, you know, also very notable and significant areas with, like, very concentrated Indian population. Right. I was just feeling like, okay, well, it makes sense. This is a Hare Krishna temple, and I'm here, and most of the people are Indian. And I didn't really have a frame of reference outside of that. I just felt like, okay, so this is what it's like to go to a temple. Mm. So that was my initial impression, and, and I, I was fine with that. You know, I, I, I felt like they were extremely welcoming to me. Um, I didn't really feel... I also didn't really feel like I was too much of like 
an object of attraction for people. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't feel like people were like really trying to, you know, preach to me or anything like okay. that. Okay. Oh, interesting. I felt like, yeah, maybe because they saw that I liked chanting and everything like that, you know, right. but I, I just felt like I was very much welcomed there. Mm. Um, of course, you know, on some level I noticed, you know, that, um, you know, that most of the people there are Indian. Right. But, yeah, so what I, w- what I would say is that I didn't feel this need of like, oh, it should be it should be more Western people, there should be more white people here, whatever it is. Right. Um, but it just felt like, okay, well, th- these people are very kind to, you know, let me be here and to, you know, I, I felt like that in a certain way. And I, and I felt also that it was, it was something that, I didn't realize until later, actually. I, I realized when I was in Ohio, because when I was in Ohio, the community happened to be mostly Western. Right. Um, but, to, but you mentioned, you know, about, about people falling away and things like that, people feeling like they can't relate culturally. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, I mean, because that is a very genuine concern. And yeah. We have, I feel like we have our spiritual culture, and then there may be certain like external cultural differences, you know? Right. Um, so for me, even now, I mean, the community that I'm, I mean, of course I'm connected in New York also. And, you know, I have uh, devotee friends who are coming from all different backgrounds. Sure, sure. But the main temple that I still attend very regularly is the same actually group of people who I first connected with. So it's still a very, very largely Indian congregation. Yeah. But it's so how wonderful, right? That that we don't have to allow the externals to define our relationship. Yes, 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 yes. Like, because the, yeah, there are people who like. Okay, like I can own up. Of course, like externally, we have very little in common. You know, people who even in terms of age, right? So there may be. Oh yeah, totally. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, there may be someone who's you know in their sixties or yeah. you know whatever it is, they work in you know they work as an engineer or doctor doctor (laughs) yeah right um and there's very little for us to kind of connect about you know in that sense but how wonderful that externally there's such you know there's such a difference and it looks very different right but internally in our hearts we have like the very same ultimate goal like, Beautiful. So for me, that's so cool. And like in a way, that's actually more interesting. Sometimes for me to hang around with people who just like, I experienced that in college. I experienced that in college to be around people who had like all of my same kind of material interests, same. And, and you know, and there's a place for that, of course. Like, yeah. But yeah, so for me, I feel like if we can emphasize those loving connections and the fact that actually we're holding in our hearts the same like jewel of a goal. And then, like, you can really celebrate that. Wow, I'm dancing with, like, this guy who otherwise, if I met him on the street, like, we would have nothing in common. Yeah. You know? Although I like to believe that we all have something in common, of course. But you know what I mean. Externally, we'd be so different and may not have so much to connect over. But here, now, like, we're, we're just really in this together. And even though, you know, our lives are very different, you know, on the outside. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's this, there's this, and, and what about also? I want to ask you, um, like, 
some people have issues with the the dress, mm-hmm. whether it's dhoti or and kurta, and then the kind of the kind of uh, cultural things of 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 Krishna consciousness, like. Sometimes we're trying to get rid of that to kind of like attract Westerners to come. I think there's a place for that. Yeah, I th- I think there can be a place for that. Yeah, because like what I was going to say is that actually, this is look what I just said now. You know that I that I haven't experienced that strong tension, that strong cultural tension. I just consider that you know my good fortune and maybe oh, yeah. also like the result of uh, the warmth and the love and care of the devotees. Right. You know, but I would never kind of like write off somebody who feels like, oh, I, I know I can't connect culturally. I think that those people, they should do whatever fuels them in spiritual life, whatever makes them want to, you know, go deeper right. in their practice. So if that's connecting with a community that maybe is a little bit more culturally compatible for them or something like that, I think there is a place for that. Totally, you know? totally. Um, but yeah, the dress thing, um, yeah, for me... First several, many years actually, I mean, for maybe the first five years or something that I was connected with uh, the temple, I was not regularly wearing any kind of traditional clothing. Yeah. Um, maybe for a festival, something like that. Right. But it was not something major for me. Um, and yeah, at some point, well, when you, well, also like, you know, for me, when you start getting involved with certain services that, that, require that you dress in that way right you're You're a pujari doing some service you know for the deity whatever it is right then for me there's a very functional aspect there of course dressing like that for a particular reason for cleanliness and for also respecting that tradition you know yes um but yeah i i think that people who feel that the dress doesn't make sense for them then, yeah, they, they shouldn't be, uh, you know, in a certain way, you know, they, they shouldn't be, of course, they shouldn't be pressured to sure. dress in that way. Sure, sure. Um, and I felt that I, I, I feel that I never was. Yeah. Um, actually, it's very, it's very funny. I can think of, <laughs> there's one, one devotee who I'm very uh, friendly with in the central New Jersey temple. And he's, as I described, like older gentleman who is from an Indian background. And once in a while, I will show up at the temple, um, you know, not not wearing the traditional dress and everything, and he'll look at me like, <laughs> and he kind of goes like that, <laughs> and uh, it's become a joke for us actually. Oh, really? I know that like it doesn't. He's not coming down on me in some serious way. Yeah, like, he's just noticing. And it, it, at first, I felt kind of like, oh, oh no, like, you know, I don't want to like offend anybody. <laughs> you know, I, I would be like, well, I was somewhere before. Yeah, <laughs> like I was in the store, you know, whatever before I came here. Um. But now it's become this thing where he'll he'll just kind of go like, and then I'll go like, <laughs> you know, it's like this kind of, you know, it's a sweet Russia, Russia exchange, you know? And yeah, I, I feel like for people to, um, yeah, for people to wear what feels comfortable for them, if it's a distraction for them, something like that. But, you know, I think there also is a certain kind of respect for the tradition. If you, if you have a particular service that demands a certain kind of dress yeah, there's a place for that too. Yeah, but I mean, for me personally, it was never like a you, big, big issue. I think it has to do a lot with your personality as well. <laughs> You're very kind and uh, super nice. Like uh, I don't know. It, yeah, and and I liked what you said. It's about you know, it's about you connecting with these devotees on a deeper level 
from the inside, you know that there's a similarity there, mm-hmm. and these are just external things. I think that's looking at the essence. I think that's a yeah. like what did that treat? What did treat our Maharaj say? Um, form. Uh, substance over form substance over form uh-huh yeah 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 so th- there's always an opportunity to like delve into that uh, into that substance uh, substance is very important only challenge to that is sometimes we, we require time to do that and yeah. it's like we were talking about sometimes it can be really difficult even if there's someone who you feel like a really kindred connection with yeah um in the course of a a temple program or something like that. It can be hard sometimes. Everyone has their service. There are different things that they're doing. Yeah. And, um, and they need a chance to um, really connect in a high-quality way. It doesn't always come you know, regularly. You have to really like, make the time for that. Mm. And I, I was just thinking, there's something I really, really appreciated. Recently, um, there's someone, young, a young person in our temple, like probably 17, came up to, the, to me the other day, and we were talking and it started as just kind of like, Harry Paul, how are you? You know, and then, you know, the question came, you know, how's your Krishna consciousness? He was, asked you. Yeah. Wow. And I thought that was so good. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so great. You know? Wow. How's your Krishna consciousness? And it's like really caring. I felt the care, mm. you know, so I was just saying, thank you so much for asking me that. And like, yeah, it's just great if in some way, even if we have kind of these quick passing encounters, you know, that we can somehow infuse that with like that kind of right. care and like, you know, really uh, genuine concern for each other. Did you ever have any opportunities or any desire to get into any leadership roles? I think you're a perfect person for that. Oh my goodness. Well, I can only just take that. No, no, no. Honestly, allow, you have that allow, right allow mood. That to wash over me. Your you have this mood but... that, that uh, it's very unique and it's very refreshing. Oh, thanks, no. You're very thank positive. You. I love your positivity. Oh, I absolutely you. love it. I find you to be a really positive Me person. positive? Yeah, you're smiling. You're no, no, laughing, no, no. Listen, listen. I'm, I'm very negative person. <laughs> we talk a little bit more. I, I, I tend to see the the cup is half, half, empty. half empty type mm-hmm. of thing. But whenever I talk to you, you're always like, the cup is half full, man. <laughs> what are you talking about? But 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 going towards the future, I would say one of the topics I'm really interested about mm-hmm. is ISKCON succession. And right. ISKCON, what's going to happen in the future? Right. So. Um, and I do think about that. Tell I, me a little bit. What what do you what what's your thoughts on 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 things like that? Well, I can't. I, I well, just straight out the gate, I can't claim to have any kind of authority on it because I haven't. Of course, I haven't taken up any you know substantial kind of you know uh, responsibilities. You know, um, but but what I think about is um, that that inevitably we do have to start uh, you know preparing for that in whatever way possible, and I think a big part of that is spending time with um, the wonderful senior, you know, kind of elevated personalities who are around us. You know, we're very, very fortunate that we've kind of come in contact with all of this um, so much in the beginning, actually. You know, like historically speaking, we're at the very beginning. You know, like Srila Prabhupada, you know, he was physically present. It wasn't that long ago, Mm. you know what I mean? And it may feel long ago for us. It may feel like a completely different era, you know. Yeah, but we're so fortunate, that, right? That we're that still, you know, our, our spiritual masters, different uh, devotees who we get to come in contact with, right? They have so much to give. Yeah, and they've uh, surrendered so much to kind of take up responsibilities, uh, you know, and move things forward. So I just think about that, like 
really trying to drink in that association and to just just hear and ask questions and be sincere. Mm. Um, but also, um, some yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go into like a big topic, but like so, yeah, but sometimes I think about um, things like social media and things like that. How previous generation, right? They didn't come up with social media. They didn't. They didn't kind of get into. Uh, their spiritual life alongside something like social media. Yeah, right. Whereas we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. And and sometimes I feel like that may place us in a in a situation where we feel like where we feel like this kind of um, you know it comes up in social media, right? It kind of argumentative kind of things and oh yeah, different, different totally. kinds of very disparaging things come up. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point, like, just where for me personally, like, I found it kind of discouraging, you know? Um, and I and I feel like the succession thing is something that sometimes pops into my head when I see, like, really contentious debates going on and things like that. And this is in no way to talk down on anybody. Like, everybody has, you know, strong opinions and everyone kind of works things out in, in, sure. in their own way. Sure. But sometimes I think about that, too, that, you know if we're always witnessing exchanges is like that, you know, um, which isn't to say that like the previous era was like this perfect picture, perfect thing, but just that we can somehow put ourselves in like this frame of mind where like, how can we actually, um, try to be caring, like really care for each other, move forward. And, yeah. um, you know, so that's a great realization. That's something that I think about that. Like, I think sometimes when we are, in that kind of a space, we're thinking about, well, the grown-ups are here, right? Like the people are here who are really taking care of things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like uh, in the conversations that you've had, there's this idea that, you know, eventually we're going to have to take on more responsibilities. And I think a place like the Bhakti Center, just to offer my like respect and appreciation also, so many of the people there who are serving and are, taking major responsibilities they're they're quite young yeah definitely um and that's they're our age that's so inspiring i love yeah seeing that you know yeah so that's just really uplifting to see and it's yeah. nice to see it in practice um but but one other thing is just that you know we can have these experiences now actually like you know when we're spending time with people who are mostly in our, our own age group and kind of in a similar space in spiritual life. Yeah. Um, and to realize that no one's forcing us to do that, right? Mm. That actually we're all there voluntarily, whether it's like having kirtan, reading something, speaking about some spiritual topic. Mm. That's a nice feeling, right? Mm. To realize that, you know, by our own volition, by our own inspiration, we're, we're cultivating this, uh, this sangha and this space and time together. And that's a really nice thing. So I think that that's something that we can like take note of more frequently also, like when we're doing that and to, to really just let that sink in, you know, this is out of our own desire and this is out of our own inspiration that this is happening. You know, of course, the inspiration's coming from so many others before, Yeah. but you know, that it's, it's sinking in. Right. Right. Yeah. That definitely, is, it's a good point. Um, the future of North America North American ISKCON. A lot of devotees say that 
there's going to be some kind there's a decline happening of course i i see the decline in the sense of the amount of people joining and the amount of people the growth is definitely stunted at the moment mm-hmm. um what do you think is the way forward for spreading christian consciousness mm. in north america mm. particularly in north america you're you're a person who grew up here like me yeah but so we have this unique kind of um finger on the pulse of 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 you know and your work with you're a regular working person so you know what people are like what mm-hmm. what what people are attracted to or what they what kind of you know things are because like you know i i work with a lot of young people now before i work with a lot of old people mm-hmm. in my job but now i work with young people and um i just see what people are like kind of right now in the sense of uh where they're spiritually if there's any attraction mm. or or and there is definitely i mean you know people are more into yoga people are more into veganism people more like are, are environmentalists and things like that so just to my previous question yeah. what do you think is the way forward yeah um so there are there are many many very forward thinking novel interesting kind of approaches out there that people are already starting to pioneer you know different ideas one thing like just one thing that popped into my head when you when you asked me this is i think it's just one thing that we kind of underestimate sometimes because i think sometimes um we feel like so much of it has to be in the presentation you know and presentation is it's super important of course presentation is super important because people operate on first impressions yeah if they see something and they're like they're not into it, they're like, "All right, like, <laughs> ragtag ragtag group like, or something." Yeah, whatever whatever it is, it's just like in. I, I I feel like people can be a little cynical, and if they see something that just doesn't resonate for them, they'll just say, "Okay, well, I'll carry on to the next right. thing." But so sometimes we spend so much time and energy thinking of like a really attractive presentation. Yes, yes. But also, we should never ever under underestimate. Um, just the power of providing a space where people can come in and have really genuine, honest, real exchanges, mm. like loving exchanges, and to be heard, to be listened to, to make eye contact. Mm. These are all things I'm telling you because I don't know if you've ever noticed, like, you know, if someone comes up to you in the street and like is asking you a question or something. Sometimes if you make eye contact with them, they're like stunned. Really? People are stunned by eye contact. Really? You know, because we're always, you know, we're this with the phone or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. in the modern age, sometimes we just bypass each other. Yeah. So if they <laughs> I'm trying to make eye contact with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> I also read an article recently that if you make eye contact with someone for ten minutes straight, yeah. You start to have some kind of like um like you're you're you have some kind of altered state of consciousness or something like that. I was really? reading that. Yeah. Wow. But but anyway, um, you know the the idea that if you just provide a space where people can come in and really offer like their full self, because we also become so compartmentalized. I think even in spiritual um, companies, sometimes we become compartmentalized. Okay, I'm going to be my spiritual. I'm going to be spiritual Dina now, or I'm going to be this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. So. If people can offer 
have a space to offer like their real, real self and to feel complete, to feel like they can offer their concerns and their fears and their frustrations about the world, offer the things that really give them life, things that make them feel so uplifted. Wow. So that, even just for someone to be heard and to really have meaningful exchanges of the heart, that's actually like it's really not a small thing. Mm. That's something that's actually really rare. Wow. Um, especially in a kind of community space. Yeah. So I just feel like um, if I could, you know, if I could add any, uh, you know, two cents, it's just, I mean, there are, yeah, there are different novel techniques and things like that. And I do think about those things, but something that no matter what it is we're doing, whatever kind of outreach or whatever kind of um, space we're trying to offer people, let it be a place where they can actually really share themselves fully Mm. Um, they can make eye contact, they can have meaningful, you know, exchanges with people, um, and, and to not, to not feel, um, overly judged or to feel like they have to be this way or that way. Um, I think a lot about Srila Prabhupada in the beginning at 26 2nd Avenue, it was an interesting group of people who came in. You know what I mean? They yeah. were artists and they were musicians and they were kind of coming from all different kinds of you know, philosophies that they were working with and trying to process. And I feel like sometimes um, sometimes we can be too quick to kind of, like if someone comes in with some idea that's a little contrary to ours or something like that, we can say like, well, no, you know, our our philosophy says this or, you know, whatever it is. But just for, let, let someone share. Let someone share their outlook on life, even if it doesn't resonate for us, something like that. Because then they feel very seen and they feel very understood mm. according to like what really means something to them at that moment. Wow. So, yeah. So that's, that's just one thing I can think about for, for the future of North America. I don't think it's only a North American ideal, but I think it's something sure. that people in North America certainly are looking for, to be able to feel... Um, yeah, to, to feel that they have a space where they can really be themselves uh, in, in full. Mm. Like not that they can only show you their nice side or they can only show you this, that, or the other. That's a, it's a vulnerable state, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is a vulnerable state. Um, but a lot of the time the vulnerability comes from feeling like it won't be received in the right spirit. You know, it's vulnerable initially. Right. But then, then if there's an opportunity, you know, to share it and feel understood, then it, it becomes less and less vulnerable. I think also we have to be vulnerable. Yeah. Not, not that we are um, so much the ones who have all the answers, you know. People bond a lot over the questions more than the answers, right? So like rather, rather than like, okay, you have these questions now, we'll give all of the answers. It's kind of like talk about what it, what it feels like to have that question or when you had that question. Whatever it is, yeah. Wow, that's and there are a lot brilliant. of people out there who are doing these things, but it just just seems to me that that's a significant uh, part yeah, of the approach. Yeah, you know, I, I I think I think a lot about. Um, I do think presentation is important, but I think sometimes we do get definitely caught up in it, mm-hmm. in 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 trying to make calculations about the presentation. About like, okay, if we don't wear a bead bag, then we're going to get X amount of people. If, if we mm-hmm. do wear a bead bag, then we're going to get l- this l- less amount mm-hmm. or this person may not be. And I, and I think that comes from a good place yeah. to, that, that people want to do that. It's a sensitivity. That. Yeah, it's a sensitivity. But, but when you overly analyze and you kind of miss the point, mm-hmm. then because the point being, um, 
let's get people to hear the holy name. Mm-hmm. Let's get people to he- eat prasadam. Let's yeah. get people to hear some, you know, harikata or something. Uh, and let's get people to associate with devotees and let that let that magic, so to say, happen to them mm-hmm. on its own, you know? Yeah. And to do and to do it in a way that is natural for you. Because I feel like people can spot like from a mile away, you know, if you're doing something that doesn't really feel genuine for yeah. you, you know. Um, so, you know, if you do something that actually feels exciting and feels real for you and feels like you're stepping into it um, in, a, in an honest way. Yeah. You know, then people, they'll care so much less about the bead bag. I think, you know, I understand that there is a sensitivity. Some people may be, you know, put off by one thing or another. But I think the first thing they're going to look for is like, okay, well, like, this person is very genuine. Yeah. This person seems real to me. And that gives a strong sense of security, a strong sense of, um, you know, optimism. Would it, would you say that when you first went to that program in Oldbridge, there was something that attracted you about the genuineness of the people? Sure. Definitely. Absolutely. It didn't feel like um, a religious service, really. It felt like there are people here, they're deeply pious you know, very devotional people. And they're just here as themselves. They're allowing their devotion to flow. Right. And uh, yeah, that felt amazing for me. And there was stuff going on in that program that I, at that time, I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> Someone took my hand and they brought me, because actually in retrospect, I learned, I didn't realize at the time, of course, I didn't, meant, didn't mean enough to me. I didn't really know what was going on. It was Nityananda Triodasi. Oh, okay. And um, they were doing... Abhishek bathing uh, Gorani Thai deities. <laughs> and someone took my hand like, here, come, like, do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And, um, oh, my God. And I wasn't... Oh, wait, a- I got a good one for this. Put, that, put your headphones oh, on. okay, okay. Hold on. You're going to like this. Be ready for this. Have you heard of Krishna consciousness? This part is a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. So, so they took your hand and so they, they took my hand and like you know that, that oh, it was nice to hear your voice also. Oh, thank you. But yeah, they they took my hand and they um said like come here like do this this is good you know <laughs> <laughs> basically you know oh my and god I liked the authenticity of it you know to me it felt like okay well like this is something that they're doing very genuinely I saw the love with which they were doing it oh my gosh and. Yeah, even though I didn't quite get what was going on, I was like, they're doing something right now that is deeply meaningful to them. And they're kind enough that they want to include me in that. Oh my gosh. And maybe in some way through through their f- feelings of devotion, I can also experience like the joy of this this moment. Oh so it god. seems like, you know, a lot of the time it's if we're doing something genuinely and we're allowing our devotion to to flow, Rather than uh, being too nervous, I feel it in my own. You know, I do this program at uh, 26-Second Avenue. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. You wanted to talk about that. Well, I, I, I try to offer this, uh, this program at 26-Second Avenue. And sometimes I also just, I want to make sure that the people who are there are comfortable. Right. You know, so we can, you know, we can think about those things. It's good to think about those things. But I think also, ideally, we're also experiencing joy of what we're doing and people can pick up on that and that is um a very powerful way of sharing with people Mm. um oh so at at 26 second avenue it's been it's been very nice it's been going on i guess since april now 
Um, I've had this opportunity to uh, facilitate a program once a month. It's just the last Monday of the month usually. Right. Um, and it's it's called Atma. And I, I did, you know, the, you know, so you know acronym and then there's a backronym. No, it's a backronym. The backronym is like where you, like, you decide you want to call it Atma. <laughs> and then you, like, choose something that that can stand for. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's a backronym. Backronym, um, backronym, okay. So Atma, and what we what we came up with is ascending through meditative art. Oh, cool. Right? That sounds great. So it's a chance for people who are um, creatively inclined, you know, whatever the art form may be, whether it's music, uh, creative writing, poetry, short stories, or um, visual art, or, you know, whatever it might be, dance. So you share that. People who have a particular creative practice that they're really into doing, mm-hmm. that it's a space for them to kind of fuse that with their spiritual interest. So people who are kind of spiritual seekers and they want to let their um, creative practice um, be a reflection of like their spiritual exploration. And they also want spiritual topics and things like that to um, become source material for their art. Right. So that's what it is. And like, so everybody comes together once a month and there's like, there's a prompt that gets sent out. There's like a few verses or things to read through on a particular topic. And then the idea is that everyone will come to the next gathering with some kind of work in progress or finished, brought whatever, you know, that they did on that topic. That's so cool. So it's really nice. So, it's so cool to see. So there's a theme share. in what people are sharing there's based a, upon the prompts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a theme, That's and really you see cool. it kind of filtered through everybody, not only through their perception, but also through the kind of creative work that they do. And it's really nice. So it's a chance to like, and then like naturally that leads to more discussion because everyone just saw all kinds of creative work about this topic. And then you can kind of delve into it in a different way. Wow. And we give each other kind of creative feedback. It's been very nice. It's been it's been very nice, and it's inspiring for me too because I also have always loved to do creative work. Yeah. And for some reason, it's been hard to kind of fuse it with um, the spiritual side. I don't know why that was mm. for me personally. Somehow, it just always felt a little hard to do that. You know, like without kind of like coming up with songs that feel like I'm just like. Um, sharing something for verbatim from, you know, what I read, like to kind right. of filter it in a creative way. Right. So it's been great to be able to kind of do that uh, in a group like that. Wow. Yeah. Super cool, man. Well, looks like we're coming to the end here. Wow. It went but, fast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but um, any closing remarks? Because devotees listen to this and, and uh, you know, they get a they get an idea of who you are and things, but maybe you can just give some closing statement or remark yeah. or something. Well, um... Not to put you on the spot. No, but. that's okay. No, I can just offer some gratitude. I'm just very grateful to all of you who are, are listening for all that you do, for everything that you have um, offered, you know, into, into the world in such a sincere way. Uh, and... I, I think the more we get a chance to kind of inspire each other in our endeavors that we're that we're making, um, we can we can really connect through that. And so when I meet so when I meet people, yeah, um, I I feel very very connected with them because mm. I feel like we're actually again it's like that kind of common goal mm. in the heart. So 
Yeah, so as final word, I can just um, thank everyone and also thank you. Ah, uh, come on. Um, really, yeah, for this is a very positive uh, thing that you're offering and, you know, getting to, um, you know, allow people to see the the full person of, you know, different people in our community. Sure, yeah, that's um, that's one of, my, one of my goals, yeah, for sure. It's great, it's great. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, and also that we um, we can try to support each other, right? We can try to support each other if we're having challenges in spiritual life, whatever it is, that um, we try to lean on each other, you know, for honest talks about those things. And Definitely. Yeah, and this this kind of uh, program is really facilitating that as well. So Thank you, Dean Ivan. great. Appreciate it. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, how mm. could they do that? Oh, yeah. The, anyone's welcome to get in touch with me. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have Facebook. I do have Instagram. Oh, you have Instagram. Okay. Yeah, I don't really post anything very much. Yeah, but much. they could they could DM you. Yeah, it's, it's um, it's I should tell it. Yeah, you can yeah. say yeah. Yeah, so it's David. It's it's my name, you know, my birth name, David, B, and then Greenberg. So Green, and then B E R G. So David B Greenberg. David B I'm Greenberg. On Instagram. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We'll put it in the. We'll put it in the Always comments happy to or something. Hear from anybody, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure people want to get in touch with you. People are interested in in, in chaplaincy, in a hospice thing, in yeah, psychiatric things. Is something that I think many, many people in our communities it would it could come naturally for a lot of people. I think we should have more people doing that. Sure, we you know we should have a, a podcast with with all the chaplains mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. you and uh, other few devotees who do it in the nearby area. It'd be good it would be a good episode, I think. Yeah, that would be really neat. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Well. Well, appreciate it a lot. Thank you for coming on appreciate and, and you. sharing your story. I, I, I love to hear it. I And I, I could hear so much more. And I, another thing I want to see is I want to see you take up some leadership positions, you know. I want not in a, in a, posi- a position way as, as, a, as a, you know, a leadership position, but you have this natural way of inspiring people. Like, I just felt very inspired just to talk to you, you know, oh, because your positivity you very is very, is very contagious. And I think that's so important for someone who's, who's um you know uh who's a leader who's a natural leader i, I feel that you 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 can get there and you're you're there and uh you have a lot to offer the 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 Hare Krishna movement you know well, thank, you. Thank, thank you thank you for, for the encouragement yeah, yeah let's, no let's, problem let's see what happens but yeah I'm, so i'm very grateful for the encouragement thank no you no problem that's episode 24 with Dina Bandhu and we will leave it off with Vishnu John Swami <laughs> Okay, how you both? Take care. How do you both?